Proverbs 18.24 says this, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Father, I just thank you for um, the book of Proverbs. I thank you for, for wisdom, God. Uh, Lord, we need your help in just the complicated situations of life. God, we need your help navigating through um, just difficult seasons and difficult challenges. And, and so, Lord, I, I pray that you would speak today. God, I pray that you'd draw near. God, I pray that uh, the people in this room, God, that we would, we would sense your presence and that we would sense your, your conviction and your, your illumination and your guidance and your hand. And God, just help us to be obedient. God, help us not to have hearts that don't trust you or hearts that uh, won't obey or hearts that are, are turned inward. God, help us to have hearts that are, are inclined toward you and are receptive to your truth. So God, please work in us today. Father, I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so a little recap. Uh, so last week uh, we had a special guest, and so we've been out of Proverbs a week. So let me, let me give you just a little recap. What are we doing in the book of Proverbs? Well, Proverbs is a book of wisdom, right? It's really a unique book in the Bible. There really isn't another book like Proverbs. So you got 66 books in your Bible, and really Proverbs is, is it as far as the, the category with which it speaks. There's a couple others, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, maybe in the New Testament book of James that sort of have a, have a wisdom flavor, but there really isn't another book kind of like like Proverbs in the sense that, that it's this, you know, the first couple chapters are why you should want wisdom, why you should desire, why you should hunger for it, why you should thirst for it. And then, and then the rest of the book is this rapid fire, you know, um, verses, wisdom, truth, you know, aimed at the, the, the varied circumstances of our life. And so, so for most of the book, you've got, you got verses aimed at money and sex and marriage and the words you speak and pride and anger and relationships and debt and diligence and family and friendship and children and discipline and poverty and riches and conflict, much of which we've already talked about, okay? And, and, and so wisdom is skill in navigating those areas. Remember the definition of wisdom that we talked about is that wisdom is knowing and loving the heart of God. That's really what you're getting in, in the book of Proverbs. You're getting the heart of God. God's saying, this is my heart in money. This is my heart in relationships. This is my heart in conflict. This is my heart in, in, in uh, diligence and poverty and riches and, and all those things. And so wisdom is knowing and loving the heart of God and the truth of God, so that, so that in the complicated and the, the manifold situations of your life, you are able to act in ways that please God. You're able to act in ways that bless other people. Like that, that's what wisdom is. It's knowing the heart of God and then, man, you're stuck in this really complex situation, this really difficult situation, and knowing the heart of God, you, you like trust him and, and you know his heart, and so you act in a way that brings glory to his name and the, in a way that blesses other people. That's really what wisdom is, and so today, Today, we're going to explore what this inspired book of wisdom says about friendship, okay? So today, we're going to be talking about skills in friendship. We're going to be talking about uh, having skills to develop solid, healthy, fruitful relationships. And man, that is really valuable. That, that's a huge factor in your own happiness, first of all. I, I really believe that. that. this, You know, friendship, being able to be a good friend, knowing how to cultivate Good friendships is an incredible 
factor in your own happiness, but man, in your own ability to, to be useful in the kingdom of God. Man, it get, knowing how to be a friend gives you this huge ability to bless people, to build them up, to sharpen them, to encourage them, to help sanctify them, to be, to be kind of in the process of what God is doing in their life. And, and so today, man, today's an important, uh, it's an important topic to me. Uh, we had Kylan uh, here this last week, and, and he was doing some, kind of some leadership training for us. And so he had my staff on, on Thursday morning, and, uh, and we, we, were, we were just looking at, okay, who is Lincoln Avenue, right? Who is Lincoln Avenue? Like, what, are, what, what is our mission? What, what are our core values? What are, what, what, what are, what are the anchors that kind of hold us in place? And, and, and I think it was in the value, actually it was in every section, but I remember this conversation in the value section where he's asking, again, what, what things does Lincoln Avenue value? You know, and we're all giving our opinions. And I kept coming back to friendship, right? And, and, and he's kind of looking at me strange. And, and, you know, the other guys are saying other stuff. And, and you guys know how for the first 15 years when, when I came to this church, I mean, it was Christ in relationships. That, that's what we, we kept coming back to time and time again. And, and that kind of evolved into some other ways of saying it, being connected, spiritual friendship. But it, it's incredibly important. It's incredibly high on my value scale, all right? Um, maybe it is one of the values of this church. Maybe it isn't, but I'll tell you what, it's one of my values. Um, I, in fact, I would say it this way. I would not be here today had I not had a high, high premium on spiritual friendship. Uh, I, I did not intend to be at Lincoln Avenue very long. When we came here 22 years, I, actually every pastor that I'd ever known had never stayed anywhere more than like four or five years. Like, like I just thought pastors moved, you know? They like made somebody mad and then they had to move. Yeah, you know? like, like that's what I thought they did, you know? And, and like, I, like I hadn't, you know, I, I didn't have a long history of like, you know, being this great churchman, you know? I, I got saved when I was 18. And so like, I didn't know any better. Just the pastors I knew tend to, tend to move after four or five years. And so I thought that's what, I'll be at Lincoln for four or five years. And then, you know, and kind of in my, in my mind, I thought we'll be in the Rockies or we'll be in Flagstaff, you know? That's kind of where I thought, you know, we would, we would end up selfishly, obviously. Uh, but, you know, but, but I didn't think I would be. And, and, and I remember about, oh, it's probably like year 10 or so. We had this really great opportunity to be somewhere else. We had this church that kept calling us, kept calling us, kept calling us. Huge, great building, great location. I mean, it just seemed like a natural step up. And I'll tell you the reason I did not leave. And, and, and uh, let me step back. I mean, I really felt like the Lord didn't want me to. But uh, the, the, the way that he worked in my heart was I did not want to leave my friends. Like that, like that's what it came down to. Like what it came down to is I had these this great group of, of, of friends in, in this church that I felt like, man, we are on the same page. We're we're on mission here. And I remember God had just added two more. Like he had just brought two new guys into my life and I'd started meeting with them for discipleship and I, and, I, and I saw this like incredible potential in both of them. And I just remember thinking, God, why would you take me from this? Like, like, like I just can't see that that would be your plan, you know? And, and, and so friendship has, has a high value in, in my life. I feel incredibly blessed with that, um, thankful for that. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why God's given me such a great gift in that, in great friends, because here's what I believe, just out of talking to a lot of people. I think there's 7.5 billion people on the planet, and I think most of them are lonely. Um, I, I think that's just the hard truth. I, I can't prove that to you, but just in my talking with lots of people, what I find is most people are lonely. Most people 
struggle in this area of friendship. A lot of folks will default back to family. You know, family's kind of automatic friends. Isn't that nice that God gave us that, you know? And they kind of have to be with you to some degree, you know? Uh, like, you know, the kids, you know? And, and, and that's great. That's a great gift. And you guys know how we celebrate marriage here. You know how we celebrate parenting here. But a lot of people can't make that next step of building really meaningful relationships with a broad group of people. It's really hard. But let me tell you, it has deep biblical roots, okay? So when you open up your Bible to the first book in the Bible, God creates the heavens and the earth, right? You have this incredible six days of creation. And after every day, what does God say? Remember what God says? He says, it's good. Man, this is good. You know, he creates land and, and sky and sea and, and animal. Yeah, it's good, it's good, it's good. He creates man in his own image. He says, it's good. And then in Genesis 2.18, God looks upon Adam in the garden and, and he says, man, it is not good for the man to be alone. Like, it's not good for, for him to be alone. We're created in the image of God, and God, in his very nature, is relational. Have you ever thought about that? God exists in Trinity, does he not? God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in this beautiful triune friendship. Can I use that? Is that okay? You know, this, this beautiful triune friendship for all eternity. Like they're, they're, they're one on level that we can't imagine, yet they're three distinct persons as one, one God. And so God in his own nature is Trinity, and that's why he created us for relationships. That's why he says it's not good for the man to be alone. That's why he says the greatest commandment is this, that you love God, that you know how to be a friend to God. That you love him with your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then what? That you love your neighbor as yourself. God, he says that's what the whole Bible is about. That, to some degree, that's friendship, is it not? Proverbs 18.1. So back up in the same chapter. It's an interesting verse to me. It says, whoever isolates himself, seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Man, I, I, this is going to be hard for me to get through today. I have like... 10 Sundays of that stuff to say to you, okay? But, but if I were gonna chase a rabbit trail, I would chase all the ways that we try to isolate ourselves. Like the, it, the, there's always this, this in us that we're like, you know, I'm overwhelmed. I got all these people. I got all these kids. I got, you know, these needs. And so I just wanna pull away. Or, or I, I get this a lot, man, I'm, I'm just, you know, we've been serving, serving, serving. Man, I just need a break, you know, I need a break. You know, I, I need to back up, I need to step aside. Or, or you know what, I'm, I'm 45 years old, I'm 47, but like that age range, you know, I'm midlife. And man, I've been slugging it away in children's ministry and we've been slugging away in youth ministry and we've been slugging away in discipleship and now all our kids are, are gone and, and there's this, hey, you know, there's this, all those, all, there's all kinds of seasons in our life that we are tempted to isolate ourselves. We are tempted to pull away from vital relationships. And man, Proverbs says that's not wise. That's not wise. You, you were made for, for friendship. So what do we do with that? Well, number one, uh, we're just gonna look through the book of Proverbs, see what it says. Number one, I, I think Proverbs tells us, be sure you pursue the right kind of people for friendship, Okay. Be sure you pursue the right kind of people for friendship. Now, now hold on, hold on. 
Does that mean you, we like avoid some people and treat them bad? Absolutely not. You, you, you know your Bibles, I hope. Uh, what does your Bible say? It says you love, your, you love your brother. You love others. You love your brother in Christ for Christ's sake. You love your neighbor as yourself. You love your wife as, as Christ has loved the church. And you even love your enemy. Like, doesn't the Bible say all of those things? Yes, absolutely. You, you should be charitable and you should be hospitable and you should be kind and you should be respect. I mean, all, all the commands in the Bible. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, but... Friendship is really something different than that, okay? Friendship is being intentional about the folks that you will share your life with, the folks that you will commit to walk with. That, that's one of the ways the Bible describes friendship is walking with, okay? In other words, we're, we're going in the same direction. We have the same values. We have the same goals. We have the same objective. We have the same mission. We have the same love. We love the same things. That, that's what friendship is, is based upon. Did you know that? Like, like one of the common rocks of friendship is that you love the same things, okay? Now, now, in the world, what the world tries to do is like, okay, what do we love the same? Well, we love OSU together, so oh, that binds us together. Or we love OU, or we love football, or we love fishing and hunting, or we love shopping, or we love working out, or we love, you know, and, and all that is, that's great. I'm, there's nothing wrong with that, okay? Don't, don't hear me criticizing that. I'm just telling you, that's normally what the world, how the world builds friendships is, hey, we love sewing or quilting or basket weaving or you know, whatever, like, like, and so we're kind of drawn together in that we both love this thing, and so we're both loving this thing, and then we start doing it together. We start walking together, okay? Now, as believers, we have this incredible trump card, okay? We have this incredible um, uh, ace in, in the hole in that we all love Jesus, right? Like, we all love Jesus. Like, we all have, have experienced the grace of God. We've been plucked out of our sin. We've had this encounter with God in which we repented and turned away from our sin and put our faith in Christ. And now we're all called to this mission together of the gospel. So all of a sudden, believers who have nothing else in common, you got one person that loves the gym, you got another person that says, I love Twinkies, not the gym, you know? And, and I think the gym is terrible. And the other person says, I think Twinkies are terrible. Who could think Twinkies are terrible, really? I mean, that's... that's I don't know about that. Anyway, there's probably people out there, right? But you got people that have nothing in common on those ways, but they both love Jesus and they're both on mission together, right? And so now all of a sudden, they have this commonality. They have this basis for friendship, all right? Tim Keller, he said this. I thought this was an interesting phrase. He said, lovers are face-to-face -face absorbed in one another. Friends are side-by-side -side absorbed in some common interest, See, I, I, I think that's a great way to think about friendship, okay? Now, that's why Proverbs 13.20 is, is so important, okay? Now, Proverbs 13.20, it's a verse. It's one of those morning verses. I tell you about, I've got school verses, verses I have my kids memorize. This is one of them, and it says, He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. It's one of those that I'm just like pounding in my kid, not pounding, but just like awesome. They can't not learn it, you know? If you say it over and over again, you, you got to learn it. And so, so Proverbs 13.20 says, he who walks with, okay, there, there's a friendship term, right? He who walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, if you're walking with folks who are going in the wrong direction, you're going to end up in the wrong place. That, that's why you got you to gotta be, be choosy about your friends, okay? Again, love everyone. Be hospitable to everyone. Encourage, exhort, all, all of that. Yes, yes, yes. But when it comes to the people that you walk with, you need to walk with people that are going in the right direction. When it comes to people that you're, you're going to love the same things that they love, Love. If you love the same things that a fool loves, you're going to become a fool. If you're committed to the mission of the ungodly, you're going to accomplish ungodly intents. And so it's really important to, to cultivate friendships with people who are going in the same direction. Listen to what Proverbs says about this. Like Proverbs chapter 4, 
um, verse 14. Um, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it. Pass on. Uh, you're going to find all kinds of verses like that. One, one of the favorite, this is not Proverbs, it's in Psalms, but Psalm 1. Blesses the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffer. But he is the light and the law of the Lord. Like, like it's a verse that says, man, be careful about who you're walking with, who you're, who you're, who you're on the same page with in life, okay? So, so be intentional about cultivating the right kinds of friendships, all right? Now, now what does this mean? Does this mean that everybody that we become a friend with, they got to have all the same um, goals and, and demographic and same industry and both young mothers? Actually, not at all. See, that's the beauty of the church, right? So, so outside of the church, you know, friendship mainly only happens where there's this common stuff, right? Common industry, hey, we're both young moms, or hey, we're both old grandpas, or hey, we're both, we have absolutely nothing to do but sit at this coffee shop and scratch lottery tickets together, you know, so all of a sudden, hey, we're buddies, you know, even though like we got nothing else, right? Like that's kind of the way the world works, but within the church, in the church, as long as you're both zealous about following Jesus or discipling kids or winning other women to Christ, a great friendship can be formed. I actually think in those cases, the difference in demographic and age and seasons of life actually enrich the friendship. Um, I, when, I, when I look at my group of the, the best friends in my life, um, they're actually not very much like me which is kind of cool, actually. It's kind of the diversity of the church. It's the diversity of 1 Corinthians 12 where it says, man, you need each other. And, and, and I, man, I would encourage you, if, like, if all your friends look exactly like you, um, I think you're missing out a little bit. So, so Titus gives women a, an interesting exhortation here already. So Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5 says this, uh, older women, and by the way, I'm letting you define that, okay? In my heart, there are none here this morning, okay? So these folks we hope to gather some other day or some other service, right? There aren't any in here. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior and not slanders or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, but that the word of God may not be reviled. Isn't it interesting that, that he tells the older women, hey, build friendships with younger women. Like, like build, build friendships. They're not in the same season of life. They don't both have toddlers, you know. The one's got college kids or, or um, you know, grown adults or grandkids, you know. But he's saying, older women, you, you have friendship capital that you ought to be passing down to younger women, all right? So, so look for the right kinds of friends, okay? Now, second of all, what are the characteristics of a friend in the book of Proverbs, okay? Well, first of all, in the book of Proverbs, one of the main characteristics, I'm giving you kind of the big ones here, a friend is loyal, Okay, faithful, they consistently pursue connecting with you. Okay, you're going to find that in several kind of key verses in Proverbs. That, that That's what spiritual friendship is, is this relentless connecting, this relentless pursuing, this relentless checking in, this relentless praying for and praying with and assessing what can I do, how can I help, how can I, how can I be a blessing in your life. So Proverbs 17, 17, here's a good one. Are you ready? 17, 17. 
A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. Now, kind of the comparison there is, you know, your brother is born into your family. You're connected by blood, and he's probably, in most cases, not always actually, sin busts this up as well, but, but the way it's intended by God is he's going to be there for you. Like, he's your brother. Like, he's your blood. You know, even if you move away, uh, I've got one brother that lives in Des Moines. I've got one brother that lives in Kansas, and yet if, if either of those guys need something, I, I would be there for them. If, if, if I need something, they will be there for me. They check in. My brother called me this week while I was at camp. Just, how are you doing? How are the kids? How, you know? so, so brothers are that way, but he says there is a kind of friend who loves at all times, not because they're your blood, but because they're your friend. Isn't that beautiful? There's a kind of friend who, who will be with you at all times. They, they will stick with you. They will connect with you. They will check in on you. Okay, that, that's, that's, that's a true friend. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6 says, many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man, who can find? That's the kind of guy we're talking about. All right, now be careful. Okay, we got we to gotta put on the brakes. Okay, because here's what I know. I don't know this, but I'm pretty sure is maybe happening right now in your hearts. Okay, see, we have this terrible tendency, this sinful tendency, when we hear stuff like this, you know, we begin to make zero application to ourselves and a whole bunch of application to other people, right? So when I, when I say, hey, a real friend loves at all times, you know what our tendency is? Our tendency to look around and say, hey, sorry, suckers. Man, they, you know, I had that, that I was sick, you know, I had the stomach flu for five weeks and so-and-so didn't ever check on me, you know? And, and, and so we start, we start making condemnation application. That's what we call that, you know? Condemnation application for everybody else. That is really worthless in your spiritual life, okay? I mean, it just doesn't do any good. Like, it, it's not fruitful. It actually makes you sin, um, and, and it's, it's, just, it's just not helpful at all. The application we need to make, it's a poor use of the Scriptures, really what it is. The application we need to make today is, what about who? Me, right? That's the application we got to make. What about me? Am I that kind of friend? Do I, do I, am I loyal? Do I check in? Do I relentlessly pursue? Am I there in all seasons of life? Me, you, right? That, that, that's who we're talking about this morning. Don't, don't lament how terrible all your friends are. Don't list the times and circumstances that they were not there to be found Focus on your own obedience to being a true friend. Okay, that, that's, that's a spiritual way to handle the scriptures. It's, it's really, I, I love this. I love how Paul handled this, okay? All right, listen, listen to Paul. St. Timothy 4, this, he's, this is the last letter he ever wrote. He's in jail awaiting execution. And he says in St. Timothy 4, um, 16, at my first defense, no one came to stand by me. So nobody showed up at his trial. So, so he's, he's going to be, this guy's been planting churches all over Asia, Asia Minor and, and Europe for, for decades, right? Like he's the Apostle Paul, and now he's in Rome, and, and he's facing getting his head chopped off. And at his first trial, at his first hearing, nobody shows up, right? Nobody shows up. No, nobody's there. Here's what Paul says about that. He says, may it not be charged against them. Okay, so first of all, he's like, man, I, I'm not holding that against them, and I don't want God to either. He's like, I'm not holding it, I don't want God to either. Verse 17, he says, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be proclaimed, fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. 
So I was rescued from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. Him be the glory forever and ever. Yeah, you know, I think one of the one of the ways that Paul was able to be such an incredible friend to so many people for so long, it's because he didn't have this um, this barter system going on. Like he didn't have this, hey, you made me a casserole when I was sick, so I'm gonna make you a casserole when you're sick. But you know, if you didn't make me a casserole when I was sick, then I ain't making you no casserole. You know, Paul, Paul did not function that way. Here's the way Paul functioned. You know, it's very clear in this passage, didn't he? The way Paul functioned was, Jesus is my friend. <laughs> like Jesus, he always meets all my needs. Do you guys hear that? that? That's exactly what he just said. The Lord stood by me. The Lord strengthened me. And he will do it. Man, I'm more confident than ever that God's gonna, God's gonna take care of me. So, so Paul was like, man, the Lord takes care of all my needs. Like the Lord Jesus is my friend. And what that enabled him to do is whenever his friends let him down, he was still able to pursue him. Now, you might read chapter four and be like, well, yeah, but he's telling us all about it, you know? It's like, it's like going to a prayer meeting and saying, I just, I just want you all to pray for my friends because they all let me down really bad, but, but I'm not holding it against them. <laughs> Actually, you know how I know he's not doing that? Because in the same passage, he is inviting them to come see him, okay? So, so he's, like, he's like, if you go up earlier, he's like, you know, bring Mark. Mark's the guy that he was at odds with in Acts 16. He's like, get Mark, bring him to me. He's a useful guy in the ministry. And he says, I sent tickets here, and, and when you come, bring this. And, and, and later in verse 19, he's like, hey, say hi to Prisca and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus and Erasmus remained in Corinth. I left Trophimus, and who was ill in Miletus. Do your best to come in winter. You be, I mean, he's, he's like connecting, connecting. Connecting, he's connecting. He's trying to arrange meetings. He's trying to arrange lunches. He's trying to get him to come see him. Like, he doesn't hold it against them. Like, he's not, I'm done with you. He's like, hey, man, you weren't able to come or you didn't show up. That's okay. Jesus was, Jesus is my friend. Now let's get together. Be that kind of friend. Faithful, consistent, relentlessly pursuing and connecting with your friends. Number two, second characteristic of friendship in the book of Proverbs is they are willing to wound you to protect you, okay? Now, man, when I look through Proverbs, I actually think maybe this may be the primary characteristic of friendship in the book of Proverbs because I think it's the one that is the most celebrated. Um, it's the one that is talked about most often is the willingness to wound in order to bless, okay? Um, now, let, let's, let's back up. In order to get there, you actually have to have friendships where real significant life stuff is shared, okay? So in other words, if, if all your friendships are like about four inches thick, four inches deep, then none of this ever matters really. So, so Proverbs 27, 9, oil and perfume make the heart glad and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. Man, there's a, there's a lot of folks who, who would think, man, I have a bunch of friends, but there's never any earnest counsel that happens. Like there, there's never any, hey man, I am struggling in my, in my marriage. Man, the thing seems like it's coming unraveled and I don't know how to fix it. And man, I'm, I'm really burdened by it. Or man, I got, I got a kid that just seems to be in rebellion and they're not responding to me. Like if that stuff's never shared, there's never any earnest counsel. There's never opportunity for earnest counsel. 
And so one of the one of the marks of friendship in the book of Proverbs is is a disclosing of your heart. By the way, we'll get here later on, but in John 15, that's exactly what Jesus says. He says in John 15, 15, no longer do I call you my ser- do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends for all that I have heard from my father, I've made known to you. One of the, one of the reasons Jesus says, you know that I'm your friend, you know why? Because I told I told you everything's in my heart. Everything the Father told me, I told you. Like, I've, I've opened up my heart to you. Okay, that, that's a mark of friendship. Okay, and so, so Proverbs says a friend is willing to wound to bless you. Okay, but that will never happen if, if, if you don't ever share the significant things of your life, if, if you don't have that kind of relationship. Have you guys seen that commercial? It's not on anymore, but it's like, I don't know, four or five years ago. I actually played it in Man Up one time. But there's these two guys, and, and it shows them all year long tailgating together at this, at this foot, at their, at their, you know, I don't remember what. They, they, they had the, the big fingers and the, all the gear, and they were, the, you know, they're on the same team. And it shows them, like, like from, spring, from fall, you know, warm fall, all the way through winter, all the way through the playoffs. And it, like, gives little glimpses of them tailgating together, you know. And at the end, like, their team wins, and they're, ah, you know. And, and he was like, he's like, I got to call my wife. And the one guy's like, you're married? You know, and like, you know, they, they spent all this time together and, and they, they never, they never talked actually about each other's lives. You know, it was, it was all about the, the game is it it super shallow, you know, just that. And so to actually reach the kind of friendship that Proverbs is talking about, man, we, we have to be willing to share, share our struggles, share our dreams, share our ambition of our lives. We have to be willing to confess our sin to one another. That's what James tells us to do. Just confess your sins to one another and be healed. Then when you, when you have that kind of friend, you inevitably have a situation where to be a good friend, to help the other person, to really protect them, to keep them from harm, you got to wound them. When you're in that kind of situation, that's when your friend calls and says, man, I've had it. You know, I've just had it with my family, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just going to be done. I can't do it anymore. That's, that's when a real friend says, where are you at? I'll be right there. And he sits down and he puts his arm around you and he says, okay, I know you got a bad deal here. I know you're really hurting, but you're not gonna do that. You can't do that. You're a believer. You got Christ in you. And, and I, I'm, I'm not gonna let you do that. Now that kind of stings, right? That, that stings the other person. You're, you're stinging them. You know, you're, you're, you're tell, you got, sometimes you got to say, hey, man, I think you're in the wrong here. And I, I think you shouldn't have said what you said. I think you shouldn't have did what you did. I think you need to repent. I think you need to go make things right. I, I, think, I think you got some work to do here, buddy. Proverbs 27, listen. Are you ready? Proverbs 27, 5, 5 and 6. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. He said you, you should rather want a friend that loves you enough to wound you than you should, should want enemies who all, all they care about their self. They'll, they'll kiss you all day long if it's, if it's good for them. The friend that's willing to risk being uncomfortable, to risk the awkward, to risk hurting the person in the relationship in order to genuinely protect them, that, that's someone who really cares about you. Okay, now... Having said that, be careful because I happen to have I happen to have encountered a bunch of fake versions of this. Okay, 
Anytime you have something good in the scriptures, you get fake versions of it. I mean, that's one of the ways that, that Satan works, okay? And so I, I've had people who, who considered it their spiritual gift to be mean to you, you know? And, and then they'll like turn to, to Proverbs as a faithful are the wounds of a friend, you know? Like, like you come to church and like, man, that shirt is ugly. Like, like that's really ugly. Like, you can't wear that. Go home, man. Go home and change. And you're like, man, that was mean. And they're like, hey, faithful are the wounds of a friend, you know. I'm your friend. I just, I'm telling you that you're ugly because I'm your friend. No, they're just mean, right? Like that, that that's, that's a different deal, okay? Not, not those guys. I, I, don't, don't be, actually, be kind to those people, but I don't think that's who you want to walk through life with, okay? The, the real friend plays a sanctifying role in your life. Here, here's, a, here's a famous friend verse. Okay, ready? Proverbs 27, 17. Iron sharpens iron. One man sharpens another. Okay, what's, what's that verse describing? That verse is describing one guy by the power of the Holy Spirit striving to live out his faith in a hostile work environment, to trust Jesus with financial pressures, to love his family well, to strive for purity. That guy, man, him, him striking off another guy who by the power of the Holy Spirit is striving to share his faith at work and speak truth to his teenager and comfort his wife through her depression. Man, you know what? Those, those two guys get together. You know what they do? They sharpen each other. Man, as, as they strike off of each other, as, as they speak truth, as they exhort, as they care, as they do stuff together, as they're on mission together, as they live life together, they begin to sharpen one another. Okay? Other Christians play a sanctifying role in your life. This is why... Proverbs 18.1 says, the guy who isolates himself, man, he strikes out against wisdom. He's striking out against, against sound judgment. You know why? Because other believers play a sanctifying role in your life. In other words, God, God's intent is to make you like Jesus, okay? He does that through the power of his spirit. He does it through the word. He does that through worship and, and preaching and teaching. He does that through spiritual friendships. And so if you pull yourself out of that, if you don't pursue that, then, then you've just you've cut off one avenue that God is making you like Jesus. So, so here's a bunch of verses. Hebrews chapter 3, verse um, 12 and 13 and 14. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God, but exhort one another every day. Only friends do that. Exhort one another every day, as long as it's called the day, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Don't neglect to meet together as the habit of some, but encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day draw near. Those are verses rooted in spiritual friendship, okay? So you need a friend. You need a bunch of friends, actually. All right, now, what are the hindrances to friendship, okay? There's a bunch of them. Let me mention a couple of the big ones that I see. Uh, number one, and this actually, I don't see this as much in men. I have encountered it a few times. It is like a plague in women, okay? So, gals, I, I don't know why. I, I just You seem much more susceptible to this than guys are. But one of the big hindrances to friendship is this notion of a super friend, okay? Uh, now, a super friend is like, it's like a friend who's a superhero, right? And like they are your super friend. Like like you you they're your everything. Like they 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 go to the grocery store with you and they go to the library with you and and they 
you know, they even set outside the bathroom crisscross applesauce while you're doing your business. And they, t- I mean, they're like, they're for everything, you know? I mean, it's, it's like intense, you know? And they're, they're kind of a, a pseudo spouse almost, you know? They're a better version of your spouse. That's kind of what it is, you know? And they're like, they're there. And it's just, and, and uh, what I found is, Women want a super friend, and, and they think other women have super friends, and so they, they, they're, they're, they're distraught when they feel like they don't have a super friend. I, I, think, I, don't think that's, I don't think that's super healthy. Proverbs 25, 17 says this. Let your foot be seldom in your neighbor's house, lest he have his fill of you and hate you. Okay? So uh, I, I, I don't know that that addresses all of that, but, but there is something there that says, hey, there, there's boundaries, right? Like, like, like. There's a friend that sticks closer to a brother, but that doesn't mean like he's stuck to your hip. Like, like so, so sometimes I think this notion we have in our minds is not actually the thing that God is saying he wants. Like, here's what I've found. If you are passionate about Jesus and you're passionate about ministry and you're passionate about the gospel and you're passionate about gospel in your family, I don't know that you have time to spend every day with somebody. Like, you're too busy, <laughs> you know? Like, you got too much going on, you know? And, that, and really, the, where, where friendship really thrives is when you got two people that are driving hard in their personal lives, and they're, they're, they're constantly interacting, connecting, you know? But they're driving hard both ways, and, and you're helping him drive hard, and you're helping him drive hard. But, but it's not this, hey, we're putting our life on hold, and we're just gonna, we're just gonna be friends. No, that, that's, actually, that's not actually friends. Now, there, there's a show called Friends, you know? And have any of you ever ever just realized when did those people work like when did they do anything else in their life like the whole show is just about them at the coffee shop you know like that's not real that's poverty okay so uh, that don't let hollywood define your idea of, of friendship okay so so number one hindrance notion of the super this idea of the super friend number two insensitive friends okay so honestly like like if you're not nice um that's going to hinder friendship. And I know guys, guys maybe need to hear this. Like guys have kind of the, the, kind of the rough, you know, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be your friend by, you know, making fun of you all the time. And, uh, and, and there, there's a little bit of that that guys can get away with and, and that gals can't, you know. Um, guys make fun of each other much more than women do, and, and, and they seem to be able to survive that, okay. But, but actually, all, if that's all you got, then then you're probably not going to have friends. So Proverbs 25, 17, there's a couple of these verses. Uh, Let not your, your foot always be in your friend's house. Okay, that, that was one. Where was the other one? Oh, 25, 20. There, there we go. I knew it was in 25. Yeah, 25, 20. Whoever sings songs to a heavy heart is like one who takes off a garment on a cold day and like vinegar on soda. And so like whenever, whenever someone's down and, and you're completely disconnected from, from the reality that they're, they're struggling, and you're singing, singing songs, that's not being a good friend. There's another verse, I don't think I wrote it down, about uh, it speaks to somebody with a loud voice in the morning. Anybody got that? If you, if you find that, let me know that, because I want to put that in for, uh, for next service. But anyway, there, there is a proverb that talks about that as well. So, so notion of the super friend, insensitive, friend, insensitive friends, but here's the big one. Here's the big one. Ready? What, what's, what's the biggest hindrance to friendship? Broken relationships, okay? So, so one of the big hindrances is, is that people start out like, I've seen this a whole bunch. They start out, go on the same track. Man, I'm pressing hard with Jesus. You're pressing hard with Jesus. And, man, we're, we're striking off of each other. We're sharpening each other. We're living life together. And then all of a sudden, there is a conflict. And somehow, 
they cannot get past it. Um, there's a broken relationship, and they can't weather that. And uh, there, there's some interesting verses in Proverbs about broken relationships, a whole bunch of them, actually. Uh, let, me, let me read you some of them. Proverbs 17, 14. Uh, the beginning of strife is like letting out water, so quit before the quarrel breaks out. You know, it's kind of the picture of like, like a, a, a dam letting out water. Like once, once, that, once that happens, how many times have you seen this? Like, like somebody opens up a dam, and they're, they're letting out, you know, thousands of gallons of water, and all of a sudden they get the call, hey, no, 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 don't let it out till tomorrow. It's really hard to get that water back, isn't it? Like, that, that's the picture there. Like, you, you can't go back. And, and man, that, that's the thing about strife. He's saying be careful, be careful with it. Because once you let it out, it tends to not be able to come back. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is more unyielding than a strong city, and quarreling is like the bars of a castle. Man, you, you can find yourself cut off from friends. You can find yourself, you, you built a citadel around yourself through your quarrel. Proverbs 17, 19. Whoever covers an offense sinks love, but who, he who repeats a matter separates close friends. So all, all those verses are, are really warning us about the value of friendship and, and the value of, of being careful with people, being careful with relationships, and, and then when they are broken, doing everything you can to confess and repent and appropriate the gospel. Man, if you can't be forgiving and if you can't be forbearing, you, I'll just say this, you will not keep a friend your whole life. Like if, if you can't be forgiving and forbearing, because your friend's going to mess up. They're, they're going to mess up. They're going to not be there for you. And, and if, you, if you can't grab on to the gospel of Jesus Christ in that moment and say, okay, I'm a sinner. I'm broken. I've sinned against Jesus and everybody in my life. And Christ has forgiven me and paid for those sins. And so I'm going to forgive my friend. And I'm going to forbear with them. If you can't do that, you're going to find yourself in that castle alone. Okay, final thing. Jesus is our friend. Okay, we already established that in, with the life of Paul. I mean, that's what Paul said. Hey, all my, all my buddies let me down. Jesus came through for me time and time again, and he strengthened me, and he gives me hope, and gives me a future, and, and, and I still want to connect with you. Okay, L- listen to John 15 again, okay? We, we read a little bit of it earlier. This is, this is the whole version. John 15, verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Okay, you've, you've got a friend in Jesus in the sense that he went all the way to the cross for you. Tim Keller had this great quote. Um, I wish I, I should have wrote it down. It was, it was something like this. It was something like, God the Father told Jesus, um, if you don't go to the cross, what did he say? If you don't go to the cross, you're going to lose your friends. And Jesus said, I'll go to hell for them, or something like that. You know, It was just this reality that Jesus, Jesus was butchered on a cross in order that you might be his friend. You know, and that's what, that's what John is saying. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did for you. Like, that's the extent of his love for you, right? Keep, keep listening. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I've called you friends. For all that I've heard from the Father, I've made known to you. You do not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. You should go and bear fruit. And the, your fruit should abide. So whatever you ask in my Father's name, he may give it to you. Like Jesus, Jesus is your super friend. Like he, he's the one who will never leave or forsake you. He's, he's the one that you can look into the future and you can say, my relationship with Jesus will only get sweeter. 
Isn't that awesome? It will only get better. I'll only know more of him, and he'll know, he, he already knows everything about you, but I'll, I'll disclose more of my heart to him. I, I will ask, and he will come through. He will be faithful to the very end. Like, Jesus is the friend that your heart craves. And I, I, I think we have this epidemic of loneliness in our society. And, and I think it stems from this. It stems from people not being connected to Jesus. People not seeing that he is who they need. That he will be faithful. And I, I think once you've got him, like and once, you're, once you're living in that, that faith relationship, once you're appreciating the friend you have in Jesus, man, I think that unleashes you to, to be a giver in people's lives and to actually begin to attain and pursue real friendships. You see, I think otherwise, you're always, you're always trying to be a taker. Because you're, you're trying to get from other people what only Jesus can give you. And so you're, just, you're always kind of a taker, which handicaps you for real friendship. You got a friend in Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I, I ask you, God, to open up our hearts and our minds to see all that Christ has done, all that Jesus will do. God, please just impress upon us um, the friendship of Christ and, and his love for us and his care for us. And God, I pray that you would put it in us to be that kind of friend to other people. God, I pray that you would uh, just give us practical application. God, get, move us to practical steps of obedience. Um, maybe texting somebody, checking on them today, checking in today, stopping by. Father, give us, give us practical areas where, where we just need to obey you in this. God, our tendency is to withdraw. God, I, I don't know why. God, I know it's part of our brokenness. I know it's part of our, our sin. But Lord, I, I feel it even in myself. And I feel it often. And, and I pray, God, that you'd help us to fight against that. Um, God, help us to connect, to, to love people well, to, to pour our lives out for the, for the good of others. Father, give us good friends. Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.